Thanks for joining the CC America podcast, where we are getting mentally fit through testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. We hope you enjoy the show. This is a live recording of the CC America podcast. Hello, welcome. Thank you all for joining us tonight for this very um, timely topic. So we will be get, getting started momentarily. Um, on with us tonight is Amber Ivy. I'm so excited to have my sister and best friend on with us. We are um, really excited to talk about tonight's discussion and just talking through how we can um, make a difference in our communities. So we are also live on podbean.com. So please feel free to share this podcast tonight with your friends. Um, It is available at ccamerica.podbean.com. And as you can see, we are live via Just Ivy in the CC America LLC page. Um, So welcome to the CC America podcast, uh, where our goal is to inspire the lives of others through service, dedication, and faith. Um, And this is just one platform in which we are able to do this. So... um, Thank you all so much for joining. I see quite a few of you on here and I absolutely love it. Welcome, we are so excited. (laughs) Um, And I start every um, show off with prayer. So I would like to do that tonight and then we will jump right in. So Lord God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for watching over us and taking care of our families, Lord God. We thank you for this opportunity to Um, Just talk about things that are going on, Lord God, and hopefully uplift those around us who may be feeling down or discouraged. We come against anything that may hinder your people. I lift up everyone under the sound of my voice, their family and friends, that you would protect each and every one of them. Protect the individuals listening, protect their family and friends from things seen and unseen. Watch over them and keep them safe um, through this pandemic and also through all of the civil unrest that is occurring at this moment in time. We um, pray, Lord God, for guidance and understanding as it relates to race relations all over the world and also in the United States um, as we are dealing with things um, very close to home. So we just pray that you would just open up hearts and minds and allow us to be able to hear from you and also to be able to learn from one another. We thank you for this day and every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. So um, again, very excited to have Amber on the CC America podcast tonight. And actually, um, before we get started, um, I would love Amber to just give everyone a little bit of background on herself um, and just a high level overview of um, what she is currently doing in the community um, as it relates to um, politics and just really making a difference. Seat for Maryland 7th Congressional District. 
Um, and I'm excited about that. Very interesting times with COVID, very interesting times with what we're seeing. Um, even here in Baltimore, there's a lot of different protests, but what we're seeing here and across the world, actually. So I'm super excited to talk to you all and to really um, talk about the whole idea of if all lives matter. Awesome. Thank you, Amber. Um, and everyone, you are definitely in for a treat. Um, Baltimore, I can say, is very lucky to have um, Amber running um, in this upcoming election. Um, so I am very excited to hear what she has to say tonight, um, especially regarding this particular topic. Um, so the reason that I wanted to talk about um, All Lives Matter specifically is um, because right now um, with the situations that are going on in the United States, specifically um, the recent death of Mr. George Floyd, um, God rest his soul, and may his family, um, you know, I'm hoping that they will um, be able to find some type of um, comfort and peace during this time because there's a lot going on and I can only imagine how hard it must be um, to be in that particular situation. And so um, this situation has probably impacted each and every one of you in different ways. And so for me, I actually, um, it impacted me quite a bit and I wasn't able to sleep. And then I woke up and I said, you know what, really if um, Black Lives Mattered or if All Lives Mattered, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. And so uh, the title of tonight's topic is If All Lives Mattered. Um, and so the reason um, for that is because clearly there are some discrepancies with regard to all lives actually mattering. And so I feel like this is a timely topic and being able to identify areas of opportunity and things that we can do um, both civically, um, through politics, through our jobs is pretty much the main uh, goal of tonight. Um, so uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about just to get us started is um, the topic of implicit bias and racial disparities. So in the United oh, States, <laughs> um, that one is a, is a hot topic, <laughs> um, probably pretty charged, but also um, relevant, you know, for this time. So um, one of the things that has come out as a result of the global pandemic is the disparities in our health system. Um, and so the actual, the American Can bar. Yes. So implicit bias, and actually let me um, make sure that I get the formal definition, um, but essentially implicit bias um, refers to the attitudes or stereotypes that affect our understanding, actions, and decisions in an unconscious manner. And there's actually um, an implicit bias test that individuals can take online, but essentially it's all of those stereotypes that dictate how we act and or react in various situations. Um, and so right now what we're seeing with COVID-19 is an increase in implicit bias as it relates to healthcare. And this is something that's not new, um, but when we think about implicit bias, it impacts our legal system. So what we're seeing right now with Mr. George Floyd's case, as well as other um, countless individuals in the African-American community that have either been targeted, um, profiled, or killed by the police. Um, but essentially, it looks at how those stereotypes impact how individuals may um, do their job and if they're able to do it effectively. Um, so when and we the think. The other part about that, um, sorry, I want to jump in real quick. The other part about that that I want people who are participating in this to understand: we all have implicit bias. Yes. Implicit bias is not something you have because you're only because you're only one race. Everyone on this earth so has implicit bias. 
to make you feel a certain type of way about people, not even just race, just in general. I see women, I see kids, I see all these different types of people. Everyone has implicit bias, and I think we have to set that stage to know that this bias in itself is something we all have. The problem with bias, so um, true. It is something we all have. The problem with bias is you have to identify what your biases are and make sure that your biases aren't in, in, uh, encroaching on someone else's freedom. Or stopping them from doing what they need to do. So we're going to have to, so but then we have to look at how do we break those things down so that we're not harming others. Sorry, I just wanted to um, say that. Oh. And that's a great point. Thank you for, for saying that, Amber. And Amber is spot on that um, we do have um, implicit bias. And um, one thing, Amber, that you made me think about when you said that is some people hold stereotypes very closely. So there's some people who, no matter what they see, whether it's evidence or they read things or they come in contact with someone, they will still not change that bias. And to Amber's point, all of us have some degree of implicit bias. It's really being able to recognize it. It's kind of like if you have an addiction, if you don't admit you have it, then you can't fix it. Right. Um, so I'm thankful for you for bringing that up or thankful to you for bringing that up. Um, and then some people are able to actually change how they see things once they're educated. So the hope is realizing, one, that we do all have implicit bias and then how does it impact our decisions? So um, really great point. Um, and one of the things that Amber and I, uh, we were talking about um, with regard to um, just health disparities. So according to the American Bar Association, there have been some studies that have um, been completed. And in fact, one study of over 400 hospitals in the US alone showed that black patients with heart disease received older, cheaper, and more conservative treatments than their white counterparts. Um, and they were less likely to receive coronary bypass operations and angiography, um, angiography after surgery, they are discharged earlier from the hospital than white patients at a stage when discharge is inappropriate. Um, so this is one example, um, but there are many of how many examples of how implicit bias can impact how we um, how we go about things in our day to day operations. And another one you all may have heard about more recently yeah, are the yeah. I know 
regard to that, Amber, um, a question that I was actually going to ask you about that specifically is with regard to implicit bias, um, when you think about your experience from a, a legal standpoint, as well as on the political side, what advice would you give to our listeners on how they can combat implicit bias? So we heard through your situation how you were able to um, kind of be an advocate for yourself. And what other advice would you give our listeners? For sharing that and you are spot on um you know about advocating and many people may not even realize that they can't ask to speak to a hospital administrator so thank you yes, for sharing that <laughs> um it, it kind of reminds me of even when we think about situations right now with the justice system um and in terms of all lives mattering you should be able to actually if you don't feel comfortable in a situation if i'm not mistaken you can ask for an additional um, officer to come or a superior 
if you don't feel comfortable, but many people probably don't even realize that they have that right. Um, now, whether or not the police will actually get their superior, that's another um, another issue. Um, but it's one of those things, to your point, about knowing your rights and knowing what you can and can like what you can and can't do. to um, highlight some of the comments. Um, Sweetly Spoken said implicit bias literally kills. Um, and she also said Serena and Beyonce even had to fight the doctors. Crazy. Um, Shanae says, or Makita, that's why I was so shook on the way to deliver my son. That's why I made sure I had a doula and my family in the room. Um, so I do want to... checking to see if anyone had any additional comments on on that topic but it also led to a segue um, with regard to maternal care um, so if all lives matter then everyone would receive the same level of maternal care um, which we are finding that that's not always the case um, and more recently the US National Library of Medicine um, National Institutes of Health reported that in the United States, Black women are two to six times more likely to die from complications of pregnancy um, than white women, depending on where they live. Total maternity, total mater mortality, excuse me, um, rates range from 1.9 deaths per 100,000 in New Hampshire to 22.8 in the District of Columbia, which is really pretty close to us. We're right here in the yeah. DMV area. Um, but when you look at the mortality rates, even for Hispanic women, it's 10.3. For non-Hispanic white women, it's 6.0 um, per 100,000. And the leading causes of maternal death are hemorrhage. So Amber mentioned that um, earlier, hemorrhaging, pregnancy-induced hypertension, and embolism. 
And so a personal story uh, similar to like earlier, Amber shared a personal story where she actually was impacted by implicit bias in healthcare. I recently um, had a miscarriage in the beginning of the year. So I found out I was pregnant in January and in February I had a miscarriage and I had surgery the next week. Um, and after the surgery, I had complications. So I had the list of notes from the doctor and they told me, um, oh, well, just wait and see if it gets worse. If you start hemorrhaging, come in. And I'm like, well, what does that look like? Because I'm having symptoms that I'm calling you about and I have a fever. I literally had a fever for almost two weeks and thank God for um, Amber's mom. I know Makita was reaching out to me and I had different people who are in the nursing field. My sister-in-law, Shana, like all of these individuals trying to help me and educate me so that I could talk to my doctors. 13 miscarriage slash abortion pills later, I did not finish my miscarriage that I started on February 17th. No, yes, February 10th, actually. It was the 17th that I went into surgery. I did not finish the miscarriage until March 27th. And I had to essentially... And that was after surgery. And after, after told, surgery. Over and over again, what was happening with you and how your body was responding in a way that and it it definitely did not work that way and um to your point earlier i think it's the the, the pain tolerance that maybe people think that yeah. we have i literally was afraid that i could die and i knew that infection was a possibility so i kept calling them and actually amber had stopped by to see me and before they left, Amber and Meron were here and Jennifer are my good friends and my fever had spiked again. And this was about two weeks, a week and a half or two weeks after I had the surgery that I was still having issues. Um, and thankfully my job was very understanding, but I literally could not be here today because of a mistake. And the doctor never told my husband that she left tissue. So essentially, she did not take the, the full fetus out and she didn't tell us. They sent me away from the hospital in D.C. And Sibley is a pretty good hospital. They sent me away knowing this and did not tell me. So that's another example of, um, you know, if all lives really matter, would that situation have happened? Um, or would they have taken it a little more seriously and not handled it as just another routine case, even seeing the issues that I was having? Um, right. With regard to that, do you have anything that you would like to add regarding, um, you know, any advice for individuals? I think um, what you said was very important in that um, even though, Terry, what you went through, you didn't know how to handle it. You did reach out to other folks to ask for help. I think a lot of times we get insular. We don't ask for help. Someone has a solution somewhere, even if it's a few degrees of separation away from you. Um, and if something doesn't feel right, we always need to see or ask
know, not going to be there for you to be able to um, to help you even in that situation what you went through. You have to ask others and make sure, hey, is it okay for me to have this temperature for two weeks going straight? Am I in danger of hemorrhage and things like that? But be allowed, simple as much as possible, especially in the healthcare um, arena. Say things, repeat to them um, things you looked into. Say no, you're not here. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure they know you're important. I'm sorry that you have to like to improve your importance to people. Um, but sometimes it's good to talk to them about what you do for a living, how you're you're contributing to society, and it's horrible again that you have to do this. But they can finally connect you human versus the case and versus patient. One thousand whatever out of their out of their money. That is so. Um... That's a, a really good point um, in terms of making no, sure I, that they know you're important. Like, I feel it's deeper than the high pain tolerance, but 300% is, is that ends up with other biases, but that's what data has shown that they do believe that. Oh, wow. And it's amazing because I think if we take a step back in terms of just lives mattering, period, because there's only one race, the human race. And I think oftentimes people forget that. That's so true. forget that and they just and I think to because race was created to divide um, it was literally to keep people at a certain level so that has gone on now for many many years but there's literally one race the human race and we forget and we separate ourselves and um, there's actually different studies on like biases and stereotypes to the point that Amber was making earlier about implicit bias and all of us having some degree of implicit bias. But when we think of even stereotypes, um, I do want to give an example of the confirmational behavior model. So this is actually a psychological model that has been studied um, in terms of diversity, where they show if someone has a strongly held stereotype, so we talked about implicit bias um, earlier, if you have a strongly held stereotype, there are times where you will make what you believe to be true. So we think about healthcare, we think about our justice system, we think about um, going to work every day. Um, those things we can actually make manifest. So an example is if I do not tip, if I go into a restaurant and I um, say, for instance, I'm young and the waiter thinks young people don't tip, the waiter gives me poor service. In turn, I don't tip. They assume I didn't tip because I was young, not because they gave me poor service. And so literally, it's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle that goes round and round. If you make yourself believe that certain individuals are um, are less than, or certain individuals are violent, or there's certain narratives that are painted, which we all hear the term now, fake news. Um, sometimes the news is real, sometimes it's not, but you really don't know which way to go in some instances because Sometimes what is being shown is to paint a narrative. And if people believe that narrative, 
then the confirmational behavior model rears its ugly head and they believe it's happening because what they believe, not because of what they do. Any that's thoughts real. on that, Amber? Yeah, that's real. I mean, even if we all be honest about it, if we believe something, like I'm trying to break this down so y'all understand like where this is coming from. If we believe something with our whole heart, but by but for like stark evidence, most of us continue to believe the things we believe. Like if I look at so it online, I see people sharing different ideologies and they really believe it. Even if I came to them and said, This is what proof says, they're like, Oh, that's not true. I've had this thing in my head for so long, it must be true. And the other problem is with those beliefs, we do live in a situation where the news and media do show images of certain things over and over again that helps to instill beliefs. Let's talk specifically about black men and um, crime. Let's just have that conversation for a second. Um, when I was growing up, um, I, I always thought that black men, especially when I um, first hired in Virginia and like started being able to like watch TV and have, have cable and stuff like that, it appeared on TV that uh, black men were out here killing everyone because that's all you saw in the news. You go to the 5 o'clock in the news, that's what I'm going to see if a black man kills someone today or robs someone today. You thought, technically, by the numbers, more white men kill um, murder in those type of crimes, minus I think Mercury is the only one where numerical or where it's a little bit uh, a little different. But if you look at the numbers, there's way more white men in this country than black men. And if white men, proportionally, yes, black men murder more based on their population. So that let me acknowledge that and no one tries to say, oh no, no, no. I'm saying I understand that that is true. But even still with the disproportionate rate of murders, the number is still higher on like different uh, crimes because there's more white men in this country. But if, if more white men are doing crimes, not not disproportionately, but they're doing crimes based on their population, why am I only seeing black men in the media? If that same day a white man did the same crime, but he didn't elevate to the media attention. So that's a problem because the media has played a role in taking stereotypes that have been in newspapers way back in the day where there was comic strips or putting uh, black people on different ads uh, for uh, different material they were selling, all the stuff that's been happening for so long, and they continue to spread the, the narrative. One example, I was watching one of the incidents where, and, and the, uh, they were talking about the looting that's happening right now. I'm not sure if it was in Minneapolis or where it was, but it was Minneapolis. But the, the, the woman, the newscaster, was about to talk about the looter, and she was saying, this person is looting. A white woman comes out. She begins to backtrack her narrative. She begins to say, Oh, she probably, she may work there. She may be working there to get the clothes and save the clothes. Like, she began to backtrack. But the whole other time, she was talking about looters when she saw them looking like what she thought looters looked like. When someone mm-hmm. looked like a non-looter, <laughs> she's like, there's no way that this person could be here with me. They must be a prior employee who grabbed all these bags of clothes um, and came to save the clothes. I'm like, ma'am, really? So, and all lies matter if a looter is white, black, um, Asian, whatever it is, they are a looter. You know, right. Special friend, the news does that. They do that all the time. Someone said they saw that. They do it all the time. We did it with Katrina. People were looters versus, I forgot what they were saying for the other um, people in that situation. It was like black people looters and the non-blacks were something else. So media does have responsibility. So true. And the beauty about social media is that now some of that responsibility has been put back into the hands of the 
still hoping that the regular media wasn't even showing, right? We saw that man with the hammer right. that nonsense who was not a black male. So, but the normal media didn't catch that. People on the ground have to catch that. So a lot of times we have to realize that if all lives matter, the news would report across all crimes evenly and not continue to spread so stereotypes and make people scared um, to walk outside the door. Because right now, it looks like we shouldn't walk outside the door. If you look at the news. It it's looks so like true. the world's falling apart. If you walk outside, you're going to catch COVID and you may get shot by police and you're going to die. Like, that's what it looks like on the news. But if we actually are realistic and walk outside, most of us outside, so our neighbors are okay. People are doing what they need to do. Everyone's still loving each other and love is real. But the news, because they need your ratings and they need to sell ads, are going to make this sensationalized and hyped up. This stuff is very important. But we need to make sure they're reporting it from an avenue of if all lives matter, all the news should report evenly across all groups, whether it's so a cop true. doing bad or a cop doing good. They're not showing the cops doing good. Everybody else is posting that. <laughs> They're not showing that cops are marching with people. You're having to pick that up right. on social media. So they need to be fair. They're, that some of this stuff is sensationalized to make us get even more angry at each other. When literally, I've seen sheriffs marching. I've seen chief of police saying they're marching. I've seen men, cops yes. marching with each other, telling them they understand, they care. I've seen cops killing. All these things happening, but then they want to promote the beating. And there are cops out there beating. So show it evenly. It right. all lives matter. We don't show the message we want to show. We show the message across the board. Sorry, that was a little longer I, than I expected. I got a little passion. And no, I, I love the passion. And I think we do need to, we need to hear that and that, the tip that you gave everyone in terms of the news is really finding out the facts for yourself. It's kind of like a one thing I used to hear a long time ago, read the Bible for yourself, because if you don't, you hear someone else's interpretation. That's kind of the same example uh, when it comes to your news. Be aware um, and not necessarily take it all as truth or non-truth, but really be able to dissect it and find out for yourselves. Because even for me the other night, I honestly thought, the um, post that Trump had tweeted, I thought it was not real and maybe it was a bot or it was fake. Um, and so I, uh, the looters, right, that he was referring to, like um, he was saying that the looters were thugs and that they were essentially going to start shooting. But then I went back to a post from the 1st of May where he called the looters um, very good people. Um, well, not the looters, but he talked about, oh, in Michigan, yes. It was the, um, the yeah, protest, yes. Uh, protest. The protest, yes, for the uh, for COVID-19. And he said, these were very good people. And I said, well, I'm confused. A looter is a looter, to Amber's point in the news, reported the same way. And so that, I know for me personally, has been very frustrating. Um, so I have been trying to protect my mental sanity and my peace. And that was kind of why I was like, you know what? If all lives really matter, we would all do things differently. Um, and yeah. and it, even the example, when we think about, um, take for instance, the Holocaust. The Holocaust, we have museums in remembrance of that really horrific situation, but people will tell African-Americans to get over slavery that was X amount of years ago. But no one tells a Holocaust victim to get over what happened to the Jews because that was so many years ago. So to me, I think what has really stood out is how do we take our, take a step back and say, 
if I were in that situation, how would I look at it? Um, and I think it's a different level of empathy and sympathy, realizing I don't want to discredit this person's experience, but I do want to also recognize that they may feel a certain type of way because I don't know how I would feel in the same situation. Agreed. And I want to talk to two things you just said. So one thing around the news thing, um, I, the, the quick breaking news often gets things wrong, but normally the paper True. gets it closer to right. So it's important. I know we stop reading the paper, but I get my Daisy Baltimore Sun um, via uh, email or whatever, and I read the paper. Because they have to take it, they take it more seriously what they're writing and make sure they have all the facts and they do reporting much different than they uh, report um, when it's like breaking news, they're just reporting whatever's coming to them. So make sure we understand that. The other thing is to hold your media accountable. If you see some mess, contact them. They have a whole number that you can contact and say, hey, that was wrong. A lot of times they'll pull stuff down and retract. That's why some stuff they're like, oh, we're wrong, and they have to say that. Also, don't only watch one news channel. I think one of the biggest problems that all of us, we all pick our news. So and true. that means you're getting one perspective and you're not getting a whole, all sides of it. You're getting one perspective and then you're getting mad at the other side because they don't believe your perspective. The, part of the, the problem that we have in this country right now is that we're also, uh, not so all, but the way the news and the way the narrative is written, you're either this or that. There's nothing else and that is it. And you shouldn't have any other opinion in the middle. When in reality, that's not what most people think. People don't think in uh, extremes all the time. Some people do, but most most of us do not. So it's important to often turn to something you would never listen to and listen to it and see what they're saying. And you may learn something, or you may learn that, oh, they're tripping, and I'm not, I don't want to hear that right now, but I think it's important for us to get outside of our own bubbles, get outside of our own friendship bubbles and talk to other folks and learn from other groups. Um, and then was it with regard to um like take walking a mile in someone's shoes but not i didn't say it specifically that way but put yourself in that person's situation it'll give you more empathy and sympathy for other people and what they're going through and the other thing i, I said is not discrediting how other people feel because we can't like i will never be a police officer so i can only imagine how terrifying it must be to see the things that they see every day. So they see um, some of probably the most horrific crime scenes. So I yeah, can imagine, right. So I can imagine it would be hard to see the best because it's like when I handle claims for insurance, I saw the worst of the worst. And after a while, quite a few people would not tell the truth. They would lie. And so then you start to wonder who's telling the truth and who's not. But then I can't lump every claimant or every insured in the same bucket because of a few and so if all lives matter we wouldn't lump everyone together like we don't say white on white crime mexican on mexican crime asian on asian crime you never hear that but you hear black on black crime or you don't hear people saying things like with regard to the police they say the police fear for their lives well i have been in a situation with my grandmother i was nine years old and we were pulled over by the police after a tornado that I was involved in. We were just trying to go home. My grandmother went to get food to feed the family and the police stopped us. She showed them her ID. They wouldn't let us in the neighborhood. And she said, well, I'm confused because I've seen you let all these other people pass that I know don't live there. And I was nine, but I knew who my neighbors were because we had before one way in and one way out. 
and we knew everyone because there was only four streets in the neighborhood. So the police wouldn't let us through. And so my grandmother and the police officers got into an argument. She could have very well have been a George Floyd or a Breonna Taylor or a Sandra Bland. They didn't like the fact that she spoke back, but they also did not consider what they said to her. So I literally watched them grab my grandmother's arm and try to pull her out of the car. They got one cuff on. They couldn't get the other one on because she did not let that happen. <laughs> yes, my grandmother was like, no, get your hands off of me. And I remember her doing this. And then it was three officers in her. And then it was my great grandmother in the back seat, And I was in the passenger seat. And before I knew it, they were yelling at each other. And I just remember the officer yelling about your mom is this because my grandmother was like, well, your mama. And then they were like, your mom. And then I was like, shut up because you're not going to talk about my family. And I was nine. And I just remember it was ridiculous. I'm thinking we just want to go home. I lived through this tornado. I was at home when it happened. We just we don't have lights. We don't have food. We just want to go home and take this food so the rest of the family can eat. And they stopped us. Meanwhile, the other people who were coming over didn't look like me. And I knew they didn't belong in the neighborhood from like, meaning not that they didn't belong, but that they didn't live there because the police told us we didn't belong. So I'm like, how is it that we don't belong And her license shows we live there, but they do belong just so they can survey the damage and maybe take pictures. It's not fair. So that was my first. Um, instance with regard to the police. And then there were quite a few after that. Um, and of course it wasn't due to anything that we had done wrong. It was just right. speculation regarding a group of people. And so seeing those things do paint your lens a little bit different. And I did want to mention that your experiences do impact how you see things. So do keep right. that in mind. But if you keep an open mind, I didn't discount and discredit every police officer because of those few who wouldn't let us go home. I ended up with friends who were police officers and I still have compassion for them and know that they want to get home to their families. But I wish those officers would have compassion for the people that they stop and realize they have families too. I think the, another problem with that is the way policing has changed um, and that is not community policing for the most part. When you are in a police officer and you're active in your community, I remember like when I used to live on base, my parents were in the military, there were certain cops you knew of um, right. because they were around the area uh, or what have you. And even like thinking back to cops at school, I had cops in my school, you may not have, but I did. <laughs> you knew the cops. So the cops knew the behaviors of humans, knew people, and knew who they were. So they were able to, if something happened, like, we're cool. Why are you doing this? What's going on? But now we're in a situation where people are policing communities they're not a part of and that they, they don't belong to, and they haven't taken steps to get to know that community. So, like you said, they already live in a very high, intense environment. And my brother was an uh, MP or military police for some time. He's a correctional officer now in a, in a jail. So mm. I understand that you're always on heightened alert. Right. I'm only going to call because crap is about to go down and something really bad is happening. But it's also responsibility of whatever that uh, policing body is to make sure those people are in their community and participating. And it's also our responsibility right. to make sure that people aren't just policing our community and not being a part of it. They should be coming to um, the, the rec center. They should be meeting the kids. They should be coming to the school and talking to the kids. They should be becoming a part of that community if they're policing it. And if our 
happens, it's all lives matter. Cops are part of the community, and people accept the cops in that community. It's not right. a thing where I'm running from the cops. I think we all have done that at least once. you've seen the gentleman um i don't know his first name but i, I think his page on instagram is t norman he does a great job at community policing he yeah he goes he takes the kids toys he sits with them on their uh, front steps he goes and interacts with the community and you're right amber that's a great point i do remember that growing up to a degree um there were some officers that we knew um, actually quite a few. And then I used to work yeah, in a drugstore, so I got to know them. Yeah. Yeah, really good point. Um, any any advice with regard to um, even just our justice system and how we as citizens can um, proactively impact the communities in which we live and hopefully help people see that all lives matter? So the justice system is a very complicated I went to law school. I have not taken the bar yet. I didn't plan to take it. But um, I remember being in my criminal law class and reading. So all you're doing is reading cases, and you're learning about all these different things that happen in life and whatever. And you're reading these horrible situations, especially in criminal law, you're reading these horrible situations, and you're having to like, really dissect these facts and read about how people were killed and how people were, um, someone murdered their wife or, mm. or the woman who, the uh, Asian, um, uh, back in the day around the Rodney King time, we had to read about the case where the Asian lady um, shot the black girl in the head. She thought she was stealing, and oh, wow. it was like, the way the gun was rigged, it was like it was a they believe it was an accident. You actually read all that stuff and see what the whole case is. So when I came into law school, I read all these different cases, and the reality is, depending on who your lawyer is, depending on who your judge is, depending on where you live and where your case is being handled, you could have multiple different outcomes depending on who your jury is. You're literally taking jurors who are not trained in the law and then telling them to apply, to apply the law, or you have a judge who may be um, making a decision without a jury. So there's a lot of things in the system where, depending on right place, right time, there could be an issue. And I'll add on top of that bias in different issues that are in the system and embedded. We've seen it where if you look at one judge and look at just the, don't look at the race, pull out the race, just look at um, the crime and then put race back on it. We've seen that black men in particular get way higher um, uh, uh, sentences than, than any other group. And that shouldn't be if, if all lives matter, same crime, same time. Like it, that's right. what it is. But we're not at that point yet. And I know, I know for me, I work in um, for my last position. We were helping states launch a system that allows you to handle your case on the computer without going in front of a judge. Not necessarily um, um, uh, the type of crime that we're talking about, more so like misdemeanors or traffic misdemeanors and other stuff, like small things and things like that. But what they saw when they compared it to the person who's in front of the judge and the person who um, did it on the, on the computer, the person, the black, if it was a black person on the computer, they did just the same way as a person, uh, another person. 
and they were able to see that because the computer took away the race. You're right. The race. They didn't assume by your name, um, but they didn't know the race. So there was totally much better outcomes for the black person on a computer. So it's not, it was the same. They compared all the different, the same type of um, issue that they were all dealing with. So if all lives matter, I as a black person should be able to go into a courtroom um, and have the same outcome as I do if I went onto a blind system. And that right. shows us that there is an issue where people are seeing things and assuming things. There have been judges who said, and I've been in a room with judges, and they'll say, I have to see a person's face and I can tell by how they move if they're, they're, they're lying or not. And I'm like, there's no science that says how someone moves determines if they lie or not. So you shouldn't be allowed to do that. And right. the justice system, and I know we're getting close to our time, the thing about justice system is folks don't realize this, but when um, Trump did all those different appointments, the reason why a lot of people were concerned, a lot of those people are in those positions forever. And they're the god of their court. When I say that, that means there's no one checking on them unless you are outrageous. They are allowed to administer law, and there's no one checking on them. Like, listen to that. They're That's allowed scary. to administer our justice system with no oversight, for the most part. Yes, if they're doing something crazy and someone pulls it out and brings it up, yeah, then they, they get in there and that can happen, but that's rare. And there's like over, like think about how many municipalities there are, I think over, I forget how many, I'm like blanking out the counties there are, but over 3,000 sure. counties, whatever the number is, and each place has their own courthouse. That means their own judge, that means their own way they administer justice. So across the world, everyone's doing it whatever way it makes sense for whoever that judge is of their court. If all lives matter, our justice system should operate the same across every single judge. I shouldn't go to judge one right. to get a better outcome. And people also do that. People choose judges because they know they're going to get a certain outcome. That shouldn't be how it works if all lives matter. You are, you are spot on. Um, well, I can say um, District 7 is very um, lucky to have you on the ballot. And the fact that um, where you are in terms of just your background and where you are in terms of right now being able to try to merge um, data and information with technology, because you can see that is definitely the wave of the future and where we are um, and also where we're going. And so that work is huge. So thank you for taking on that that work and um, looking for ways to make a difference in your communities. Um, so um, everyone, you may know, uh, Instagram only gives us an hour. I found I out. Yes. Oh, go ahead.
someone to come around you and get the overflow. So then you're not empty and you're able to keep giving and keep giving because you're always filling into yourself. So make sure you invest in yourself. That also means we all have a, a purpose on this earth. And there are some things that we all have not been doing that we know and we feel we should be doing. There are lawyers watching this. There are entrepreneurs watching this. There are judges watching this. There are tech professionals watching this. There are advocates watching this. There are like health professionals watching this who have not activated their gift. So at this time, it's time to figure out what do I need to do to do what I'm supposed to do on this work in this world. We're all here for a reason. We all were blessed that we were the one. Um, we made it biologically, which is like when you look at the statistics on how you biologically got here and the chance that you're here is like very small compared to everything else. You're here for a reason. So make sure you invest in yourself. The second one is invest in your family. Do not leave and help everyone out if your family's not taken care of. That means take care of your own household. You already, we all know we have family members who need help, need um, to learn things that we have, give them things, not necessarily money or things like that, but I'm saying like building up your family institution. Like my family, we're really good about volunteering with each other. We're really good about if someone needs something, we all tip in. We all go to different each, of, each other's events. Someone needs to get to college, find that person's book. Like as a family unit, we should be taking care of ourselves. We can't take care of anybody else's house unless our house is taken care of. Third, invest in your second family. That means your work. So you spend more time at work than you often spend with your family. And a lot of times at work, this is where you're dealing with those biases and this is where you're dealing with those things. So it's important for you, one, to stand up for people who are at work with you, right? If you see stuff going down, whether it doesn't matter what race.
taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here tonight um, and thank you for your five points and we're definitely looking forward to um, the share with the information um, everyone this will not be the last time that Amber will be on the CC America podcast I'm so grateful um, for you Amber and I thank each and every one of you for oh, tuning in tonight okay. so yes we will definitely be doing this again um, so thank you You're welcome. And everyone, we will be following up um, regarding a community forum coming to you soon. Um, so thank you all so much for joining tonight. You all, please be safe, um, be blessed, and stay healthy. And we look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night.